This is Lore Diver, the podcast that's exploring the lore of popular and interesting tabletop RPG worlds. POC Gamer Patreon supporters gain early access to episodes. All episodes are available on Podbean, Spotify, and YouTube. This episode looks at the land of Vidrian from Pathfinder's Galarian setting. Vidrian, the Unchained Phoenix, is a new nation in the Muangi Expanse, located on the western shores of central Gurund. Boundaries include the Kava Lands to the north, the Bundu Hills to the east, and the Laughing Jungle to the south. Vidrian has ocean access on its coastline through Desperation Bay, and a river route consisting of the lower Courier River and Lake of Vanished Armies into the interior of the Expanse makes up much of the southern border. The new nation's capital is Anthusis, and its future may depend on the actions of your players. The history and culture of Vidrian are inextricably linked to its former colonial master, the Empire of Cheliax. First appearing in Pathfinder 1st Edition as Sargava, troubled autonomous colony that was formerly part of the Empire of Cheliax. Formerly the crown jewel of the Empire, the land was a literal powder keg in the 1st Edition, its baron having backed the losing side of the Chelish Civil War. And through a combination of slavery, a weak government cut off from its source of reinforcements, and a reliance on pirates for naval protection from the mother country, it was a mess. Sargava was founded in 4138 AR by order of the colonial expansion fan Chelish Prince Haliad I, and in true colonial fashion got down to the business of enslaving and subjugating the population. The Chelish presence was not seen as a positive one, though, by the locals, and soon troops were deployed there to maintain the colony. Sargava was a source of wealth, slaves, and prestige for those willing to risk travel there, but was also a land of very real danger. The Mwangi peoples did not capitulate completely, and revolts were a regular occurrence throughout its history. Through its 577 years under the Chelish colonial boot, the colony was the jumping-off point for invasions into the Mwangi Expanse, notably the disastrous invasion of Mzali, which awoke the mummy Wakana and resulted in the destruction of the entire force that had been deployed out. The beginning of the end of Sargava came in 4609 AR, as Baron Gralus backed House Davian, never a good plan, especially if anyone out there is a Battletech fan, and deployed all of his naval forces towards the war effort. Unfortunately, those naval forces were destroyed, House Davian lost, and Sargava found itself suddenly autonomous. However, with no naval defense, the Baron was forced to turn to the free captains of the Shackles, paying them to save the colony from House Thune's punitive expeditions, which succeeded twice. However, being now cut off from reinforcements, trade, and general support, the writing was on the wall. And this brings us neatly into Pathfinder 2nd Edition, The Lost Omens, where the unfortunate Baron Utilinus, Grand Custodian of Sargava, has been deposed in a violent revolution. To say the situation was bad is an understatement. The population was largely sympathetic to the rebels. The free captains were demanding more and threatening to turn on Sargava if their protection money wasn't paid. Then there was the military. Several generations of not receiving fresh, loyal-to-the-motherland reinforcements meant significant numbers of the trained, armed, and experienced troops sided with the rebels. And in 4715 AR, he was successfully overthrown. Coming into current events, things couldn't be more interesting. Raising the flag of victory only brought more conflict, as the free captains immediately attacked, seeking to try to get more of that sweet, sweet blood money, and were only narrowly defeated through a hasty alliance with the city of Senghor on the tip of the Kavalans. Now in its seventh year of existence, the nation struggles with the legacy of colonialism and its place in the Mwangi Expanse. Much of the situation is held together with a newfound feeling of patriotism and national enthusiasm, such as the tacit agreement between the underworld elements of the land and the government. 
and at the moment the great need that vidrian has is stability it's unique in the expanse for its culture colonial influenced national structure and is starting from functionally near scratch in many areas like its military so at the moment they're currently engaged in diplomacy with the nations of the inner sea and the city-states and peoples of the mwangi expanse looking for recognition there's a looming threat from Cheliax, who's absolutely not recognized their independence and of course the ever-present threats of pirates and monsters just from the general area the people of vidrian the Vidric population is more varied than many in the Mwangi expanse, mostly because of its colonial roots and the way that their revolution occurred. Much of the population was on side with the rebels, and over 100 years had passed since fresh Chelish colonists landed, so there was no post-revolutionary mass exodus of colonists and colonizers when the revolution completed. Humans are the predominant population and are primarily of Mwangi descent, with notable populations of Chelish and mixed peoples. Elves, halflings, dwarves, and Aruxi, lizard folk for those of you who missed the episode where I talked about them, make up a small but significant non-human population in the nation. There's also a lot of other, which is a wide open category in the Mwangi expanse. Culturally, people of Vidrian are still very much exploring their national character and establishing norms, mores, and taboos. Clothing styles, jewelry, and the like are all in flux as well as the Vidrian peoples figure out what they want to retain, reclaim, and create, which has resulted in a rather fantastic collection of art in the book itself. In an interesting development, Vidrian is seeing immigration from other lands in the Mwangi expanse, particularly from their previous foe, Mzali. This is bringing new cultural influences to them, and the ultimate results thereof can't be foreseen at this time. Ideas. There is so much to do in Vidrian. Foremost, if your table isn't familiar or particularly comfortable yet with the African coding in the other areas of the Mwangi expanse, Vidrian is a good place to introduce them to the location. The post-colonial setting has cultural coding in it that's going to be more familiar, and that can be a good jumping off point to the more African coded places that are around it. Vidrian is also actively recruiting experts in everything from magic to ship construction, all in an effort to get the place up and running as fast as possible before a credible threat catches them unprepared. So this can be a good way to bring established characters from literally anywhere in Galarian to this new nation. And what this means is that coming into the setting of Mwangi Expanse, this location gives you an opportunity to mix both local characters and foreign characters for people who might not be comfortable yet playing characters from the Mwangi Expanse. I think that that is an excellent tool for any game master to use to facilitate adventure. Now, on the other hand, if you have a group of players who are very comfortable with the African coding, who are comfortable with the setting, the concepts, and the ideas of a post-colonial, post-revolutionary nation, then Vidrian offers you the opportunity to let those players explore it from the perspective of the locals of that nation. There's no requirement, as there's no requirement anywhere in the Mwangi Expanse book, for player characters to be from other places. They can be from the Mwangi Expanse. There's enough information there to do it. And the nation of Vidrian offers a unique opportunity to explore a post-colonial scenario that does not come up very often in most game settings because most game settings tend to treat colonialism as a net good and don't get into the nuts and bolts about how it can be quite horrible and this is a chance to dig into that or even just have some awesome adventures because again there is no requirement for you to dig into that if you don't want to either you can just have some really amazing characters from Vidrian going on adventures in Vidrian and the immediate area and it works works out perfectly.
Now, moving over to an interesting lore gap. There's a beautiful one around the revolution, and one that could be exploited by a game master looking to create a long-term campaign with some political intrigue and some Cheliax-related action. In the materials that I have available, uh, the Lost Omens World Guide and the Mwangi Expanse books, I can't pinpoint the fate of the last colonial ruler, Baron Utilinus. There's no information about it. It simply says that he was displaced or overthrown. They're not using specific language like killed or slain or, you know, driven into the sea something like that. And this implies to me that this, at least in first edition, level 10 cleric, may still be around. And a simple but sad reality around revolutions is that they're unstable for decades afterwards, and that counter-revolutions or rebellions or attempts to seize back power aren't that unusual. So it's entirely possible that Baron Utilinus is still alive, and even possibly plotting a comeback. Now this could be a local affair, or it could be done in conjunction with Cheliax, who have not recognized Vidrian, and who may choose to overlook the Baron's past uh, in the name of getting their their profitable colony back. Or for the game master or the group that prefers lots of intrigue, Vidrian has you covered because there's a lot of potential adventures that could see the characters as members of, employed by, or employed against different factions in the nation. The writers went hard on this and did a beautiful job of creating an environment of unity on the surface and power struggles beneath. Because not everybody likes the new government, not everybody likes the direction life is going, some guilds and organizations would rather not have competition or outsiders around. And the government wants everything to go according to plan or at least work in a moderately fair fashion. So there's a lot of groups all vying for power and who are de facto leaders or even rulers in some areas that could lead to a lot of great, great intrigue-based adventures. Now in terms of conventional adventure, Vidrian is a sort of low to mid-level area that's great to get started in. Drawing from last week's episode and doing some minor extrapolation, the southern end of the Cyclops civilization, Golgani, is at the northern side of Vidrian. So there's some ancient ruins slash dungeons action that is right there. There's also some great monster of the week or threat of the week type action and as Vidrian is still dependent on adventurers for a lot of work, there's always something to do of adventurers, Vidrian is a place that regulates them, which, depending on your players, could lead to a few different outcomes. It can also be a great way to introduce rival teams of adventurers on the other side of the equation from your own. Overlapping with this is what could be described as the loyal criminal element, who are, in their own underhanded and bloody knifed way, trying to do the right thing in Vidrian. So there's a whole set of stories there waiting to be exploited and developed by a GM and party with the inclination to do so. And finally, for those who are nautically inclined, the Vidric Navy is very much a thing, and the Third Corsair War is on. The Navy is currently a ramshackle affair that's developing in real time in the setting, so it's wide open for player and GM creativity and influence. So if you're looking for some high seas adventure with some very high potential for land-based uh, adventures as well, Vidrian has it all. To read more about this, you can find information in Lost Omens, the Mwangi Expanse, and in the Lost Omens World Guide. You can also check out online resources like AON or the Pathfinder Wiki. Books are available through retailers, game shops, or directly from Paizo. Electronic copies are available through Paizo. Thank you for listening, and remember that you can support this podcast and more through the official POC Gamer Patreon or through the official POC Gamer Coffee. Hydrate, stay alert, and stay safe.